DevSecOps Talks to be episode number eight with a title, What is the DevOps anyway? My name is Andrei Divatkin, and today I am joined by Julian Visconti, while Matthias is chilling out somewhere, probably somewhere in the countryside. Hi. Hello. How are you? Ah, life is good. It's good. Summer is approaching and uh, a lot of things happening. How it is on your end? Yeah, life is good. I decided to take some time off and just focus on what should I learn and what to do next. So let's oh, see, very, cool. a lot of interesting uh, prospects. I would say that yeah, I spend a lot of time in infrastructure and DevOps and I kind of miss uh, software engineering and programming. But let's see, there is a lot of things like data science is quite booming, booming at the moment. So yeah, let's see what the future brings. What about you? Do you have any plans? Um, yeah, like for the last uh, week or two, it was some work. I cannot say it was something else exciting to share really more like you know fixing and improving what's already there but i'm starting to look at uh, hashicorp certifications so oh. I, I went through the questions for terraform associate it seems to be i mean they have example questions and it looks like that if you work with terraform on day-by-day -day basis you should have no problem going through the certification. And I, I see quite a lot of people now sharing the uh, certifications on LinkedIn. So that should be doable. There are some prep courses on Udemy. However, I think I just gonna go through the study guide just to make sure that I don't miss some basic stuff. And I want to do it once. I don't want to redo it, you know, I just mm. come in, get the cert, forget about it for two years. <laughs> they also have a vault associate now available and console. So console is something that I would need to study for. I have a very limited experience with that, but I think I should be able to do a vault from the first go as well. It's a very little preparation. And also nice. my AWS certs coming up this year. I did six in 2018. And I'm not really sure how much I'm going to do to renew them. Science. I mean, you have to pay for every sort, and um, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe That's some a... of them plus professional time. I have all, all associates and all specialities they had in 2018, but now I think you maybe do like the primary ones on associate, and then get professional certificates. I think a professional gets much more value because they are much harder as well. And they require a lot more experience, but in like nobody has ever asked me if I had a certification, which is kind of sad. Well, this is something that you tell people yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bragging right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is how you know if person. How do you know if person is a vegetarian? He tells you. <laughs> <laughs> Like me being vegetarian, so I'm I, I, I'm clear doing this joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh. The, sa the same here. How do you know a person got a certification? He tells you. He tells you. Yeah, <laughs> I I kind of see that. It's uh, but in a way, it's it's like a degree. You know, it sets apart. It's it's like a guarantee that yes, you have that amount of knowledge mm. uh, boiled boiled down. Like you you know that stuff. You don't need to figure out and learn. It, there is still a lot to learn, but the, the foundation is there. Yeah, I would say LWS is quite solid. You actually True. have to know your stuff to pass it. True. Uh, in 2018, I had a couple of years of experience working with AWS. Plus, I did a, uh, a cloud guru preparation courses, mm. and it was still kind of tough, so I wasn't really sure if I passed. I, I, I did all of them from the first time, but every time there were like a number of questions where I had to really like guess. So, mm. and it's just because also the Amazon is quite wide and they have like so many services and 
they mm. do cover quite many in detail. Mm. Yeah, I remember passing the Kubernetes certificate, like mm. you're both the developer and the administrator. And it was really um, enjoyable to see that you actually put with a real server that you need to fix or, mm. you know, some something that you need to configure because that's, that's real life experience. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. I hope that in the future more um, providers mm. or, you know, certification providers just allows you to do more hands-on and not just um, multiple choice type of things. I, I think it's, it's harder to do hands-on. It's also, it requires more knowledge and you need yeah. to know like fast. It's not yeah. like you can guess and hoping to get good. Yeah, it's like either yeah, you know or you don't know. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a nice experience, and looking forward to see like more hands-on certification out there. I will report with my experiences on uh, on uh, Terraform certification when when it's done, and hopefully during the next months. Right. What shall we yeah. talk about? Was that DevOps well, thing? There, there is this. Yeah, this thing is about, um, so a few weeks, I, I gave a talk to the university and one student came to me and asked me, what is the difference between a, between a DevOps engineer and a SRE, Site Reliability Engineer? Hmm. And to be honest, I was not really prepared for that question because I see DevOps engineer or people who has the title uh, DevOps engineer around me. And me as an SRE, I focus on different things. And my answer was quite, uh, well, not accurate, actually. Because DevOps is a methodology and SRE is actually a job title. So the DevOps engineer is like you say, Scrum engineer. It, it's, it's very loosely defined. And so I would like to know what are, what are your take on that? What, what would you say if somebody asks you, what's the difference between DevOps and SRE? I'm going to... I'm going to ask them if they're ready to hear the long answer because I'm not well known for short answers. And that's <laughs> exactly the question where the answer is long. <laughs> Sit down, take a drink. Yeah, this is, this is how it's going to be. So let's see this as uh, our first take on a dive in episode. So what is it? Mm -hmm. we're, going to, we're going to dive into this one this time. And um, yeah, the, I, the timing is also good science. During the couple of next week, I was working on um, a, a book or booklet, whatever you call it, with, which would explain the general terms uh, yeah. that to be used in the industry. And it's coming from the personal needs of when I meet the customers, we need to align the terminology to make sure we speak the same language. Science quite often, but we, we are not. And uh, I always have to go through and explain the same terminology. So I thought I just make a booklet and publish it for everyone who might need one. And also going to use it myself. And uh, it's been going great. I managed to, I, I wanted to do that as explainers, you know. So every concept I would narrow down to maybe like half of the page of the text. And the DevOps has three pages right now. Wow. Wow. Right. So what I wanted to do is uh, to let people to decide for themselves in some way. Science, there is a no definition of DevOps. Hmm. It, it wasn't really, it didn't came up as a definition of something. And in order to understand what it is, we actually have to go back. And this is how I go through the through the explainer. So what I, I wrote there is, if you go back to 2008, we have uh, Patrick Dubois and Andrew Clay Schaffer. I probably mm. mispronouncing his last name, so sorry about that. They so they acknowledged to be the people who triggered the DevOps movement. So we could trace it back to 2008 on an agile uh, conference. It's actually like the Agile 2008 conference. And uh, two weeks before, Patrick wrote the following. 
only two weeks left until my session on Agile 2008 conference. I will be talking on my experiences on Agile infrastructure and operations. It often strikes me that the Agile community is only known in development circles, whereas the Agile idea also applies to other sections of the company. Much of those techniques can be applied to the sales, user interface, infrastructure. During my talk, I hope to energize people to, do, to go beyond the, the development cycle and uh, show examples where I have seen it's possible. Then, after the conference in the beginning of 2009, he writes, 2009, the year of Agile sysadmin. I uh, didn't need to know this term. And he writes that uh, 3rd of March 2009 is the submission deadline for Agile 2009 in Chicago, and that has expired. They have hundreds of submissions. It's one of the largest conferences in the world around Agile. It's really nice to see 12 submissions related to bringing the field of sysadmins, infrastructure service management, closer to Agile development, project management world. What excites me even more is that it's considered frontier stuff and emerging field of new ideas. So those two posts, they show that the original idea was to bring development practices as agile project management, continuous integration, continuous delivery to operations. So we can help bridge the gap between devs and ops and allow faster delivery turnaround and value creation. And then Elsa in 2009, Patrick starts a DevOps Days conference in Ghent, Belgium. Because you're around, Julian. You are from Belgium. Yeah, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you missed a little bit of that. Yeah. And like, if you check the program for 2009, there is nothing, there are no talks about DevOps science. Mm. In my understanding, Patrick came up with the term, just a name for the conference, which does confirm in his interview for InfoQ in 2012. And that's actually quite valuable for understanding of DevOps. So here he is being asked, so to start with, Patrick, how did you come up with the name and the idea of DevOps? And he answers, so there never was a grand plan about thinking about DevOps as a word. I was busy working on a project which had agile development, and I was so envying those people about their methodology, and I like to do something similar in my world of system administration. So I called it initially, Agile system administration, but it's pretty long. And then I wanted to do a conference for getting people together and Agile system administration conference was just too long. So I just picked up the word DevOps days as a devs and Vops working together because Agile system administration was also too narrow on focusing on sysadmins only. So that's a bit of origin and actually it's also a pun on DevOps days, dot, dead on delivery but that kind of lame. And that's a quote from the interview. So yeah. the important part here is that there was no grand plan behind DevOps as a term. And uh, it's actually started to pick up. So DevOps Days Conference is a, like a franchise so people can join and run their own DevOps Days in different cities. So it grew very quickly. And uh, science, there is a void <laughs> in definition always there is like a power gap, someone will step in, right? So if there is a void, something will come in. And what happens during the next year, we got two group of people who, I cannot say screwed the whole thing, but they took advantage of this situation. And uh, one group is infrastructure tooling vendors. Mm. Oh, those guys. Mm -hmm. So they realized that <laughs> DevOps is hot, and if you slap DevOps on their tool, then it sells better. It sells better because it's like a DevOps tool now, and yeah. that people like they want to do a DevOps, and they say like, how do I do DevOps? And they like you use our tool, and then you do DevOps, like you, you use Ansible. Yeah. Now it's, now you're a DevOps. And uh, there was a big marketing push coming from multiple companies. We are not going to point our fingers to 
Sheriff Parbit announced well, yeah. <laughs> there are other people, but so, you know who we're talking to, Chef Parbit. Yeah. <laughs> and even in that interview, I mentioned at some point, Patrick being asked, like, do you feel that the, all this buzz around the tool is screwing the idea? And he said, like, yeah, quite often it's very hard to see the tree, uh, the forest behind the trees, science people. I mean, the tools, it's something that is on the surface. It's something tangible that people can touch. But the whole idea is about agile system administration, about the processes, and you use tools to facilitate this process. You use tools to, to make the transition easier. And I, I see today a lot of courses, like, you know, boot camps for DevOps, where they're like, we're going to make you a DevOps engineer, which the whole thing doesn't make any sense, because, like, how do you do a DevOps engineer? Well, it might make sense if you're type of the person who does DevOps transformation, I would say, right? Who comes in and do organizational change, facilitates organizational change. So you change from how organization works. You break down the silo, silos, you introduce new processes, and then you make people work together. And maybe you introduce the tools, but it's like a small, tiny part of that that just helps the whole thing mm -hmm. to happen. It's not like if you're using Ansible, you become a DevOps engineer. And then the second intensified group of people are, well, recruiters in some way, and also managers who just was looking for the easy solutions. I mean, like the big companies realized, yeah, we, like this DevOps thing sounds really good. Let's do that. It's like today with diversity, like this diversity thing is really good. Let's hire some minorities. And like, here's your quotas for minorities. It just doesn't make any sense. This is not yeah. how you do it. Exactly the same happened with DevOps. Well, let me correct myself. Like, I'm not against diversity, but I'm against approach. Like, yeah, yeah. it's about creating the equal opportunity for everyone, right? Yes. It's not making the quotas and depressing the majority in favor of minorities. Like, it's just the opposite thing. But now you, you just, well, I'm not going this way. Anyhow, so. Managers wanted to do DevOps. How do you do the DevOps? You hire a DevOps engineer. That's like the easy fix solution. And yeah, there are recruiters. The yeah, there are recruiters like, oh, you want to do DevOps engineer? Fine. We have like all those system administrator guys who no one wants. We just go and slap on them. System administrator tells them to learn Ansible. Here you are. So also your DevOps guys use Ansible, the DevOps tool. They are apparently DevOps engineers. And they can configure service. Like, that's what DevOps is. Like, uh, uh, I find uh, the best uh, analogy is like you, you buy a gym membership and then you wonder why you don't gain muscle or lose weight, but you actually have to use the card and go to the gym and practice. You, just mm -hmm. buying the card won't make you fit. <laughs> uh, that's exactly. So, and uh, it's been a quite long ongoing confusion and uh, now we have DevSecOps and DevSecOps was a clear marketing push from Sonatype. They said like, yeah, because oh, really? it's Texas thing. Yeah, well, in my opinion, because I, I heard them talking DevSecOps back in 2014, 2015 on the conferences and they were like the only people talking about mm. that. Then they started all day, uh, all day DevSecOps thingy and then no, was it all day DevOps? I'm not sure, but I heard that from Sonatype and they were like really peddling the term and no one else was talking about it. So I would guess it's coming from there. Mm. And is that the Sonatype? Is that the company behind uh, Nexus, uh, Nexus Artifact Management Solution? And yeah. at that time, they started to integrate uh, security scanners in Nexus. Uh, Static code analysis. Static yeah. code analysis, security uh -huh. scanners, all this stuff. And uh -huh. they needed to call it somehow. Make it better mm. than Artifactory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's where it came from. In my opinion, I might be wrong because I didn't I didn't do any any like you know throughout analysis how I did it with DevOps. However, this is how it came about. And then how we all got confused for a couple of years. Mm. If you see what DevOps today, I think we're getting the clear understanding that it's not tools. At least yeah. like majority of people seems to be passed by that phase. When it comes to recruiting, it's still the same. I mean, but if when you talk to the people, to the people who know what they're talking about, 
they will tell you it's not about tools. It's about much broader picture about the transformation of the organization, the way how it works. Mm-hmm. In a bigger and the big role play, the development develops reports from door organization mm-hmm. played a big role in there because there they first of all they got a quite high profile with the people like Chess Humble involved there mm-hmm. and came so they, they, they got a spotlight and they introduced the uh, DevOps reports and they and they talk about the tool but they highlight it's about processes about building DevOps capabilities. But and the tools play the part there, but it's DevOps capability like continuous integration, continuous delivery, and so on and so on. You can Google DevOps uh, report 2018 by, uh, by Dora. You will not able to find the site because they got acquired by Google now. So you will be redirected to the Google Cloud website, but you can still get the report from there. That's really good, and you will get the description of all the capabilities from there. So today, I think we're getting a better understanding. So that it is about building capabilities, about organizational transformation, and then using tools to achieve that, to facilitate the change. You can do it without the tools if you want to be just a bit easier with the tools. So don't be tricked into thinking of uh, what recruiters tell you. And in some cases, we just forced to use it. I mean, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, I don't remember what it says, but most probably it says like DFC Corps engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what people search for today. And, yeah. and and there are no good practices of what you would call yourself. And some people go as far and they say like DevOps slash SRE. Oh, yeah. And now we're coming to SRE. There's a practice outlined by Google and there is a book that you can download which actually have a clear explanation of what SRE is. So it's much, it's actually engineering discipline. They outline how you do it. They outline how you build the metrics, how you build your or budgets, how you help development team to deploy, will you take over? So in some cases, it's kind of operations, you can say so, but it's very different in many ways. So there are analogies, but it's not the same at all. And like DevOps might, it might do DevOps together with SME, actually. So, but don't be confused. It's not just like that you're using the tools, you're building the cloud, you're running the Terraform. You're not automatically slap SME on yourself. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought that uh, SRE was very much more about uh, monitoring and resiliency. Exactly. Uh, and reliability, it's in the title, but it's more like a, a, a assuring a certain quality of service of the API that you put out there. Uh, and basically the solving develop- operation problem using development approach, you're using code, you, you're exactly. actually building solutions to solve operation problems, like mm-hmm. resilience problems. And, and like if you read the blog post, SREs, they have to be a quite senior people who are actually really good at coding so they can consult development teams who they support yeah. how to build resilient application because developers not always know and it's in the name it's like resilience engineering mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's a it's a very good point that it involves a lot of coding it also involves um, reading a lot of code because it, you, you need sometimes you don't have the code of the application but uh, it really helps to see, okay, like, um, for instance, uh, one common problem that people run into if they set up a web server themselves is how do you drain requests? So there is a deployment and the new service Mm. takes over the request, but there are still uh, requests that are in process, uh, being processed by the the previous version. So how do you know that those those, uh, requests are not cut? You know, and just like throw an error to the customer. So th- th- those kind of things are very minor details. But if you deploy ten times a day, then mm. it might add some errors. And so that's why in SRE they set up a, an error budget, meaning like it's how much uh, how much room do you have for error, and and whether you stay. It, it's like a contract that you make with your users, like. Um, you you allow to try things out and and because you need to move fast move fast if you never in if you never innovate you, you cannot you know it, it's a very static process and that when the process become very static it ossified 
and, and become very rigid and harder to change over time. But by having those budget and adjusting them, it becomes very uh, like a conversation hmm. saying like, okay, what are your requirements? Do you really need 100% availability all the time? Or is it just like this Black Friday thing that you need to have to be able to handle that much load? Or, you know, if it's an emergency service, like it needs to work, doesn't matter what time of the day it is, then it's a different process that you need to adopt when you need to make a change to the system. Because, I mean, the system evolves all, all the time. You always need, there is new vulnerability found every day and you need to patch those. And th that brings a lot of, it, the, the the way this question is formed, like what's the difference between DevOps and SRE is kind of relevant because people have seen DevOps in a box and say, okay, that tool does, that means that's DevOps and that tools mean that's SRE, but it's not really, it's not really about the tool really. What do you think about that? How, if you had one word to define what DevOps is, what would it be? If you have one word to define what SRE is, what would it be? Yeah, you're asking a person who is not known for giving short answers, right? Yeah, that's why I put it the one word limit. <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, one. Is that even possible? Like, well, well, actually, DevOps is like about processes, right? So it's mm. Processes. And I said, yeah, matter of fact, processes as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's why um, the the confusion or the the lack of difference uh, occur because the those processes are part of the same ethos mm. like they, they they aim to improve the quality of the service but they are they go about it in a different way i would say right i'm, I'm facing a different type of challenge or problem for instance like guys like you and me how shall we advertise ourselves so relevant people find us. I mean, what is our job title? That's something that uh, I'm stumbling. I, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, I struggle with that a lot. But I always tell, like these days, whenever people ask me, it's like, I'm a software engineer. Like that's, mm. that's what I studied. That's what I did for a decade. And these infrastructure and cloud providers is like the cherry on top. It, it's right. more like, it, it's a specialty. But code is where uh, feature gets made, which is mm. where business gets made, which is mm. where money gets made. And so, so code, I, it's all, also code is a tool, but it brings, it can bring a lot of value for that. The, the reason um, I think that DevOps and SRE are really um, hype right now is because without a lot of code that you need to write just by operating a service mm -hmm. or just by using a third party or just by uh, deploying a ready-made open source project you can gain a lot of value but the knowledge of operating and making things resilient and keeping like good, a good quality of service like is the response fast enough is the service available enough mm. um, how do you redeploy and make change i mean it, it's a, it, this is where it's a it's a different level of abstraction if we talk about that like that, that that's it the, everything in it is about what level of abstraction are you working on and you can work like sometimes it, it's better to just kill a project early and say, you know, the sun code's biased. Like, okay, that doesn't mean because you invested a lot of time in it, that it's still worth, you know, keep digging. You know, you might never reach rock bottom. So maybe it's better to cut the losses early. And that can be a business decision or a strategy decision. And so there is this uh, evolution where now you can even bring in serverless, which is, right. I, I don't really want to manage the server. I just want a service. And, and that's the difference between, uh, you know, serverless, serviceful, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uh, fine line that is, and because it's not clearly defined in mathematical sense, it's hard to, to know where the, to draw the line. Mm. But there is a lot of um, 
place for that, which is write the minimal amount of code and let somebody take care of the operation. What would, where would you say serverless fits into this landscape of DevOps and SRE? I, I like your statement about like the code being a central part of everything and this is what delivers well because quite often over specialized people being trapped into their in some ways they're just you know sitting in their own style like yeah, we're building infrastructure and uh, mm -hmm. missing the perspective so I, I, I really like that well serverless I, I don't know it's quite philosophical you know for me like uh, cloud is someone else computer and serverless is like someone else computer that you don't even see. <laughs> yeah, but that's and that's exactly like let's say that let's bring another example. Uh, you let's say you live in a house or an apartment. Um, would you pay someone to come and do the dishes? Would you buy a dishwasher and put the dishes yourself, or you, would you do it wash the dishes manually yourself? And it becomes like more strategy on what do you want to spend your time with. Mm. you understand so so the, the word the dishes needs to get washed unless yeah. you are filthy rich and you can buy new dishes every day which is like can, i don't you, know you can about. use paper ones <laughs> <laughs> like camping yeah you, you could that's that's a valid point you could live like you camp in your own yeah. apartment no no there is no law against that if you're happy more power to you but what I mean is like it's a strategy, like because if you hire someone to come and do your dishes, you still need to check that the work is being done. Mm. You know, you still need to check the quality of the result. But what you do when you hire someone is you agree on a price for a quality of service, mm. and it's. Uh, I would say that that's the 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 main difference. If you have to do it yourself, you might settle for less quality. Like, hey, I don't have. I don't have the knowledge or I don't have the time to do such a good quality mm. of, of dishes, but it, it's clean enough. It kills the bacteria. I, I don't get sick. Mm. Food is health is uh, clean, whatever. So, so given that I would say that it's all about the business strategy. And that's, the, I think for me, that's what the main difference between DevOps and SRE mm. is that DevOps is centered around uh, feedback and SRE is centered about those um, SLI, SLO, SLA. Mm. Oh, so you, you, you are cutting deep. Yeah, it, it's like the what, what is worth your time, basically. Mm. And DevOps is more like a, how to achieve the goal that you want, how to optimize the goal that you want to achieve. So, so it's two, it's both optimization, but one right. focus more on uh, the resource that you have. Yeah, it's, it's, the, al it's also like, uh, depends. Yes, you sound like maturity, right? Like you, mm -hmm. would do, you would do continuous integration first before you do continuous delivery because your continuous delivery efforts will fail without robust continuous integration. Totally, and, yeah. And, and uh, like you have like the DevOps thing it builds on top because those are the part of the DevOps process. But once that is done, you're actually ready to do to look at the S3 things. You addressed mm -hmm. everything that was needed before. Mm -hmm. anyway. However, so I don't think there's that much interconnected as continuous integration continues to do because you could still deploy manually, for instance. Yeah, like it's, it's configure everything approach. manually, but if you have an approach of you know looking into making sure that everything is resilient right so it's a but so my main point is that um, sre is like a specificity of devops yeah one of the maybe may, may one of the principles i, I don't remember yeah. if, if they use it in uh, capabilities i'm not sure if they mentioned that in the report you need to check the report again yeah, I, I don't know that either. But what I mean is that by implementing the DevOps process to infrastructure, couple that with software engineering, this is what you get SRE. So SRE is very much in, the, in between the DevOps and the business and the infrastructure. So you have all those parts moving together. And you, I would say that you can easily make a business decision that will impact the other 
like if, for instance, if you if you know that the service is going to cost too much to maintain, but that uh, to create, I would say, create and maintain mm. and operate, maybe it's worth to pay someone else who can do it better at a fraction of the cost mm. that uh, an engineer does. The costs. Yeah. So, so, and I, I think that it's really hard to have those uh, numbers. Like, if for, for some reason, I don't know for you, but every time uh, when I talk to a manager, it feels like the, the time of the employee is free. It's like something they get, you know, it's like it, it's not nothing new, nothing they have to it's do. Close, they already have it. Spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like they, they just have that and they have to do with that is their resource. Yeah. And, but when you're dealing with a third party, you have transaction money exchange, and, and that that suddenly the, the the way people look at that is completely different. Mm. Some people would would rather have the engineer spend two months building something that's going to be half okay, than mm. paying fifty bucks for a service that's going to do that just okay, you know, like good. Uh, I would say good enough. Mm. You know, and, and but some company they have such compl complicated account accounting system that to get uh, another provider on that list of approved provider mm. vetted by the CFO or something is it's just a, a massive process. And this is where DevOps could help and say like, okay, we, we are about all about feedback and getting uh, working on the processes. Why don't we make a budget that everything under I don't know five hundred dollars is just automatically approved? If a yeah, but this, another it. thing here is that uh, managers and employees quite often in bigger companies there is so many steps that they don't really see how they make the impact on the bottom line. They do something, yeah. but there is no clear information or indication how that affects and like building the feedback, building like if you can continuous delivery all the time so you can start to experiment and then you can start learning and get engineers involved in the business decision i mean that's the disconnect mm -hmm. in many in, in many ways devops movement also trying to achieve but also like not only the developers and operations fighting together because yeah. and they are fighting because they have a different perspective and and then like if everyone has the same perspective like we're making value for the business but there is nothing to fight about right Exactly, exactly. That's why, that's why people don't care about the cloud bill until it hurts, you know. Mm. Uh, we're making money. It's, it's less than we, you know, we're making more money than we, that the thing costs us. Like, everything is fine. When, when, and you see that, especially into the, the, these times uh, with the, the pandemic, is that, wow, the, it's actually a lot of money that gets spent. And maybe, just maybe, by removing some services by doing that and cloud cloud cost optimization is a big big industry it is. it's it's billions on the table and that's why they come with you, you want more buzzwords how about ai ops where they they grab the logs let's keep it out in the borders <laughs> if, if, if we stay within the topic is one thing that seems to be emerging as a term is like a platform engineer, which actually makes sense for me. I mean, if you take the book, Team Topologist, which also speaks about the similar concepts where it's called enabling team. Mm -hmm. They have something called enabling team, which enables uh, feature teams to deliver value. And I think that I, mostly can find myself like i see myself now more and more leaning towards this concept so i am an enabler so what we build i mean like we bring kubernetes why do we bring kubernetes because we're using that to build application delivery platform that's what yeah. we do right so we bring vault in to manage secrets so our application delivery platform is more secure. So it's, we're building the platform by combining multiple tools and methodologies, like then we use for instance Jenkins, GitLab, or whatever CI solution is you have to actually run the application through a couple of steps and then to deploy. So that's all part of the application delivery platform. We're providing a solution for development organizations. So development can run faster. I mean, they can deliver faster. They can get a feedback. 
they don't need to think and solve them all the solve problems all the time like you know how do i roll traffic how do i expose my service how do i get secrets oh boy so, oh boy this is a part of the application delivery platforms that we provide to them and we also come in and give a coaching to developers how to use that how to use those processes so for instance if they're not uh, not uh, familiar with Docker, come and teach them because this is how we want to receive. This is what application gets. This is how we want to receive their delivery. And this is how we want them to package the application with the dependencies. So this is what resonates more and more with me. But it would be really hard for me actually go to LinkedIn and call myself a platform engineer. I don't think people. I mean, what people look for still in the end, like. Yeah, it's really hard to market yourself, uh, especially like w w as an IT professional, there is so many um, options or, you know, domain where you could specialize yourself into, into one. And so it's, it's a, it's a trade-off between being the highly specialized expert into one very particular thing that you might not be able to get a job around, you know, in your area. So you might have to look remote, but how many companies are looking for that kind of things remote? And so, and in in the other way, if you go too broad, you will end up with being. You might end up failing some of the interview tests because they expect expect you to learn to know some very particular tool. Yeah. And it's the same. Like if you even if you're a software developer, some people get fail because they don't know frameworks X Y Z, you know, or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah? Because they don't want to spend the time to, you know, teaching those people. And, and I think it's really really sad that we get to the point where you expect everyone to know everything, and then you know it's very hard to hire people. And suddenly, you know, they say, oh, we don't have enough people. We cannot do anything. But the, I, actually, I think there's more than enough. You know, mm -hmm. they, 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 there is no, no lack of, of small people in the world, I would say. It, it's just that the way it's framed, the way it's presented, the way this um, hiring process is built, very much define what kind of culture the company has. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I, I personally am not an expert in that. I just run a few interview, uh, you know, to to hire people, and it's you do, even if you don't have very clear guideline, what makes you say, yeah, we can hire that person or not? And usually, what I look for is is one thing that determines, like, if it passed the technical test and everything, mm. is that is that person see something that he doesn't know as a challenge to learn mm. or does he say no that's not my business i don't know mm. uh, i don't want to learn about it and so both approach are valid depending on the case and and that's a culture or a, a strategy a hiring strategy that you want to have do you want very highly specialized people to work on one particular thing and they're going to do that really well or do you want people that's going to get things done and just say mm. okay we we learn we 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 figure out and we, we move move forward. So it's a very different approach. I think that marketing for developer is really, really hard, or for IT professional in general, because a job title doesn't mean anything anymore. You don't know what that person is or do. That's what we have tests for uh, yeah. in interview. Yeah, you know what? Like we have our website, DevSecOps FM. We're going to have episode eight, out there and uh, the people who are listening you know come over we have a discourse forum in there so it doesn't require registration you can use your social network account whatever you got we don't track you we don't have any cookies on the website i, no. I think it's uh it's a just discuss that might have some to make sure it's good and um <clears throat> we just gently interested in your opinion how do you go about marketing yourself in an area what you do, like in this general DevSecOps world? What is your approach? How you call yourself and how do you market yourself? How, how do you see yourself? What, what are you doing? How do you describe yourself to other people when they What's ask the you what to do? Yeah, it's a struggle. I'm personally very interested to, to hear what you have to say. And uh, again, we are not 
training anything out of it. It's just our particular interest because you know people on Instagram and other platforms they ask to build uh, interactions, so the mm -hmm. content being promoted. Uh, I'm actually just interested, so it doesn't promote yeah. us in any way. For me, what I would like to learn to know is what people are struggling with into marketing themselves. How how can we make like can they define the problem that they're struggling with? Because maybe there is something out there that's, it might be just a blog article that we can reference yeah. and say, yeah, this really helped me. And there is one that I would say changed my life for the uh -huh. better. It's called, uh, it's by a person named, I don't remember his, his name, but he's, he goes by Pathio, Pathio 11, P8. Okay. I will put the link in yeah, the description. Yeah, let's put it into the show notes on the website. And so, guys, you can find all the links. I will also link the Patrick's interviews I mentioned and the DevOps report thingy into the, into the show notes on the website. The, the interesting thing about this, uh, this article is quite lengthy, but it's totally worth reading. It's, the title is Don't Call Yourself a Programmer. Uh -huh. and, and that's really, really interesting because it goes about saying, like, what... You you in a mar you in a you live in an economy. So your goal is to provide more value than right. you 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 cost. You know than the resource that you cost. And so he goes about saying like, okay, you know, he, he take the example that he wrote a little program in another language that the company architect didn't approve of, and but because his his boss saw the value of the program he built, he said nobody ever asked him you know, to rewrite it into the language of the company, say that this provides value right away. Mm. Just keep it. I think it was in Ruby or something like that. Mm. And um, he, he said, look, providing value is more important than technology. And so the, this gets also aligned with DevOps very much. I generally value. agree. However, how <coughs> you have, a, you have a phases of the business. So like back when I worked in Ericsson, they had uh, invest, no invent, invest, harvest. Mm -hmm. So you would first invest to develop something or invent something, then you invest to build it. But then when you want to harvest, the technology is ready. You want to have it on the market and you want to spend as little money as possible maintaining that. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to this, aligning like it's fine in a invent and maybe invest phase but then going to the harvest you actually want to have everything like more or less unified so it's very easy yeah. to maintain and you can minimize the team responsible for the maintenance because otherwise it's just specialized knowledge of this guy you count in bus factors like if the bus hits him tomorrow what we're going to do all your harvest goes to yeah, definitely. And so that's the difference between the point of view of a single person that is yeah. trying to optimize the career versus a company that's trying to mm. optimize the business. And yeah. so it, that article is very much tailored for a single individual who want to improve the career and how they mm. can market themselves rather right. than how to build an organization that is successful in business. Yeah. And, and b both point of view have, have value because one doesn't work without the other. I think that's a position that you described would really work in a startup. You're coming in, you build stuff first, and if it makes value from day one, perfect. We fix it later on. So this is how <laughs> most of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. But what usually happens is you find a business model that scales by experimenting. Because in a startup, it doesn't make sense to align. You don't really know if it's going to be around next year. And then the technology yeah. you build, you might be within one year and you just throw away what you're building right now. Like after a couple of years, when you're breaking even, when you have a stable model that you know you're going to stick with, then you might start to go like, so those pieces are important. We want to maybe them, make them better, like the, our core business stuff. And then on the outskirts, you still keep experimenting, building stuff. Mm -hmm. When it's matures, when you see that it's not changing a lot, then you might, you know, that the fix of the technical depth and move it into that. Mm, yeah. Or like the maintenance mode. If, if it even makes sense yeah. fixing, because it might be so that it will just die in a couple of years again, like will be replaced by something else. Yeah, but that's why banks still use cobalt, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it works. You don't touch yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, so it's a, uh, let's try to keep it under one hour. I think we're running over a little bit, but. Yeah, it's fine. Let's do a little bit of advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> but what advertisement are you thinking about? It's non-paid advertisement. If you remember Johan from episode six, who joined us to discuss CMware, Johan actually started a podcast. We inspired him to start a podcast and the podcast called DevOps Dojo. So if you look for DevOps Dojo, you're going to find it. And he has a different approach. We, we like to talk, we like to discuss the topic. And Johan believes that there is a niche for market for like a small, very short episodes, like five, 10 minutes. So if you're that type of person, DevOps Dojo. If you like us rambling about stuff, Stay with us. <laughs> it's not like, you know, one or another. Just something to put on your radar. And uh, if there will be some other good training materials or some interesting information to check out, we're going to keep you up to date. By the way, in episode seven, we discussed, um, we discussed the way how we learn. And Julian recommended the O'Reilly platform. And I did check out actually, and it it is really good. It solves so many problems for me because, like, I would like buy before I would buy the books on Amazon, and then I I feel that I don't read them. Here you have like all books in the world. You have a search by the books you can read on the chapter, and it's so yeah. nice, and uh, I, it's definitely worth it. So, I, it, it's like a one package rules all, and yeah, if it's not on O'Reilly, I probably you know. Too bad. I I can live yeah. without. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. mainly. Oh, you can buy it, but it's it happens so very, so not often that I I barely need to use any other platform. I want to to thank you for that recommendation. It was really good and You're uh, welcome. Uh, I I I do read a couple of books on it, like in parallel. We just like, I mean, the technical books I don't really have as time enough to go through. So that was, uh, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, I'm sure, sure. All cool. right. Hey, Andre, it was a pleasure to be with you. The same. Oh, we're missing you, Matthias. You should come back. Yeah, we. I, something was missing this episode. I think we. I hope he comes back soon. Yeah, uh, we. Well, he's gonna edit this video. Uh, he is talk, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you will get a piece of Matthias that you cannot hear, but you will get all yes. his hard work the silent, editing the audio. Exactly, the silent contributor. Yeah. Well, till next time then. Hopefully together with Matthias next time. Sure. Take care. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.